Mate, this is going to be awesome. It's not stayed to come down for that one. Hit him, hit him. It's more than just a hobby, it's who we are. Cracker. That's why we hunt. Welcome to the Educated Hunter Podcast. This week's episode of The Educated Hunter is brought to you by nobody. Enjoy it. It's free. Cheers. G'day and welcome to The Educated Hunter. This week, Karen and I caught up with Cam Henderson. Cam is the young bloke behind The Hunter's Journal. He's a talented photographer, a videographer, and The Hunter's Journal is his latest project. You may have noticed it turn up on the shelves in New Zealand. It's a, a beautiful hunting magazine, and we talked to Cam about sort of his motivations behind starting it and where he gets his inspiration from, as well as some other pretty entertaining, as you'll hear, hunting yarns from around the world, as Cam is sort of finding his finding his stride in the industry, really. He's sort of here, there, and everywhere at the moment, so it was a really good chat to catch up with him. He was good enough to drop in while we were training our latest group of Ultimate OE guys heading to Canada and girls heading to Canada. So yeah, I hope you enjoy the chat. It's uh, with Kieran and I sitting in a <laughs> kind of an old dated bunk room at Gunsbush Camp in Waimati. So hope you enjoy. Why does he suck them like what? Muscles? Who can't eat Was muscles? he eating muscles on the podcast? No, no. When we went hunting, we like literally we were in motion like this tar, we're doing this, let's go. Everyone was ready. He's like, whoa, stop. Digs out a chili bin. He's like, we're going to eat these. It's my good luck charm. And he's like, <laughs> like a Labrador licking the last bit like of the bowl. marinated garlic mussels out of a plastic <laughs> yeah. tub. Yeah, he was and going was the hard last, on them. That was the last time I ever wanted to hear him eat mussels. But then on this West Coast hunt. Same yeah, thing. What's it, his good luck charm? Well, except he bought two puddles this time. So he was just going <laughs> up. Can you imagine the reflux as you're going up the hill? Imagine burping garlic mussel juice halfway up the hill. Well, well, one thing that I learned is when you take a bite, you can't inhale because you just start choking on the fumes from the mouth. <laughs> well, that, that's kind of why he does it like a Labrador. <laughs> <laughs> or St. Bernard or something like that. <laughs> oh, that's rough. Poor cow. Um, what's that there, that? Hang on. What do you reckon? Well, oh. well, well, I'm still reading these. You can't read your what questions you before we start. I'm going I'm to say them. You're not. You don't have to memorize you're, you're, you're all the questions. You're there for the answers, and you're okay. there, you know, you're there for the good looks on the podcast, right? <laughs> Those dreamy eyes. Oh gosh. Okay. We're we taking this way. Yeah, it's all you, buddy. You're you're running. You're in the driver's seat. Okay. Alrighty. Today we've got Cam Henderson. How's Cam? Good, mate. Good. That's good. Good to hear. So, Cam is uh, a young guy. I've been fortunate enough to uh, hunt with before in the past, um, and he shares a circle with a lot of my friends. But he's also, I guess, the guy behind the Hunters Journal or the mindset behind the Hunters Journal, the new magazine out here in New Zealand at the moment. But obviously, with bigger intentions than just that. Whereabouts did hunting start for you, Cam? Uh the very classic, uh, went out with the old man when I was younger, shoot rabbits and whatnot. But when I hit 12, my old man suggested uh, buying a bigger rifle and trying to shoot some big game. So we headed out to Mount Thomas, which is um, just west of Christchurch. And we started hunting and we were going to spend a night in Pinchgut Hut. And he told me not to worry about bringing a sleeping bag. 
And so I was rocking steel cap boots, a school pack <laughs> that I couldn't fit anything into apart from a, a rain jacket. Got to the oh, on the way to the hut, uh, we thought we'd take a shortcut. Actually, he suggested a shortcut, and we got totally lost. It was eleven o'clock at night, and I was twelve, and I just broke down in tears. And um, we carried on and managed to find the hut. Didn't sleep the whole night because it was that cold. Because I never sleep in bag. And um, yeah, we just bolted. Next morning, just got out there as soon as we could. And I've been hooked ever since. Nice one. Sounds was it dreamy. successful? Or? Thanks for introducing me, by the way, Curran. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. here too, bro. <laughs> sorry, you said it was all about me. <laughs> sorry, Matthew is here too. Uh, this is the first time Matthew's shared some New Zealand airspace with Curran. So yeah, I had forgot to introduce you. Sorry, buddy. That's all good. We're at, uh, it's a bit of context, we're in Waimati. It's awesome because today it's not raining <clears throat> in the middle of summer and Cam's been good enough to drop him. We're sort of, what, a third away through our training for yeah, the next batch. Yeah, so through the Canadian hunting course. So Yeah, next batch of young men and women heading to Canada to yeah, for sure. have so a bit of an adventure. A... Well, you haven't applied yet. Yeah. But anyway, back to that hunt. Were you successful? Oh, no, not at all. Not at but, all, except I got hooked from hooked on hunting. From yeah, it. well, that's I guess that's success in the, in the part. Did your dad have a suit bag? I'm just nah. trying to figure out where the comparative was. Like, was he geared up and you weren't? No, no, no. Well, he, well, because we didn't talk to anyone about big game hunting before this. We just kind of rang up Doc oh, so, and. Sorry, so he was. This was his first time with you as well. Yeah, right. Yeah, right, yeah. Okay. so so he he grew up on a farm and shot um, rabbits and goats, and so yeah, so we started hunting at the exact same time. So. Huh. That's quite cool. Yeah, yeah, it is cool. So yeah. we've been there. Well, I've I've been on his journey the whole time, and Vice he's been on mine. So that's awesome. Yeah. So I guess it's it's hard. There's, there must be some mentorship value in that and doing that with your father. But then who else have you sort of looked to and learnt from in respect of hunting? I'm I'm pretty lucky because I through the through the filming and photographing and and having quite a few friends that hunt. Um, I spend a lot of time with so many different hunters. Um, so apart from my old man, I haven't had, you know, just a core group of mates that I go hunting with every time. It's almost like every, uh, hunt that I go on, it's with someone different. It's a new, um, adventure with someone that I've connected with in one way or another. So learn from a lot of different people. And That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> kind of lucky in that point. So I guess, I guess you just touched on it there, but you obviously have a film and, and, and photography, Interest? Yeah. Like are you formally trained? Uh what's that? You're right. I yeah. think you summed that up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um so uh, like so obviously you without skipping right ahead to the film and photography, you still enjoy to hunt itself, like you're behind the rifle? Um, yeah, I I love it. Uh but no, I don't go hunting uh for myself very much um every now and then the old man and i will pop out to a to a local spot and shoot some meat um but just recently on like a lot of the trips um i've been getting quite keen to to start shooting a few more animals because i've been around a lot of animals uh seeing them being shot um so i've been real keen to start to keep behind the rifle a bit more it's not an easy thing to do when you make your living out of it is it yeah yeah exactly like i'm hunting so much that when I get back, I kind of just want to relax a wee bit, but then that's when the next trip. Kind what of do you prefer? Up. Do you prefer the filming or taking photos? Uh, I love taking photos over filming. <laughs> yeah, there's uh, uh, 
I think a lot more people enjoy watching the filming, um, but there's a lot more that just has to go into it. You know, little, well, you got the gear that you have to physically camera. Uh, they have to have, fuck. You said it, not me. You had to physically carry. Yeah, that I have to physically carry. And um, meanwhile, with the camera, you can kind of just snap away. It only takes a split second to to get a shot. Meanwhile, the filming, you've got to get a sequence for 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 everything that happens. Yeah, because from (laughs) people that know me, I am very far from Matthew and yourselves level. But the one thing photography gets from my point of view is you don't need a start and finish with it. Because every photo is its own start and finish. That yeah, did that yeah. make sense then? Yeah, that's exactly. How so it is. versus film, and and I guess I've learned this from Matthew. Like, sure, you can go and film and create a good story without a kill shot or an ending, but sometimes some trips just don't work like that, mm. and it's a lot of time investment for essentially, I guess, some little stock footage. You know, yeah. like that's the only real benefit to it. Well, for me, photos, um, it's a lot easier to get. Uh, candid photos than it is to get candid film because filming is often a lot more intrusive yeah and unless you're working with guys that are used to being filmed and um have that side of things sort of nailed down from a hunting and filming perspective it's really hard to get good candid footage and hunters don't make good actors so being able to capture that candid stuff as it happens and make it good is a really, really difficult thing to do. And then the taking of photos, I mean, I've never been a strong cameraman. I'm probably better at filming than I am taking photos just because it's more of a situational thing rather than a a composition and framing thing. But I do like looking at good hunting photos and good photos because if it's it's taken correctly, there's an element of your own... Um, interpretation of whatever that photo story that photo might be telling so you know it's it it gives a window into what was happening but it leaves it up to the person the reader or whoever's looking at the photo to really interpret what that means and everybody sort of gets different feelings and emotions out of a photo whereas film tends to be a lot more um, although there's more going on it tends to be a lot more black and white yeah yeah it's definitely a lot more directed Um, and then like say when I'm filming with, say, the guys from the Hunters Club, they've done that much filming that they do half the work for you and you've just got to put a camera in their face and they just roll with it and make it easy. But, say, when I try to film um, other trips with people, they're not... Uh, they they don't expect how difficult it's going to be to be in front of the camera and act natural. And so sometimes, like you say, you can put all that investment into filming a trip, where, you know, if it's physically carrying a camera... Um, the risk that you're putting your camera in, you don't get a lot of reward. Meanwhile, photos, you can just kind of jump in. It's not intrusive. You can just snap away and just get a couple of bangers. And, yeah, so. And you also don't bangers have the editing. Good, bangers are good photos. Yeah, bangers are key. Good, good man. <laughs> How many bangers does it take to create a magazine? Oh, I'm not sure. I haven't worked out the number. <laughs> <laughs> Quite a few. So you're obviously have been or still are involved with the Hunters Club? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so they've got their main cameraman, Dave Shaw, um, and he, he also produces the show, so he's filming year-round with them, but it's more when it comes into the busy season, like the raw, um, or sometimes the rut, where we can kind of split off into two different parties. So um, 
you know, Dave can be filming one group trying to get a successful stag on the ground. I can go with another group and, you know, if one party's successful, then we'll roll with the episode or we'll do an episode each or... Mm-hmm. So that's that's the main time when I kind of jump in with them. Um, but, yeah. That's cool, though. Like, for for a young guy with a hunt interest or passion and a... I know we just talked about, you know, the photography over videography, but it still must be a bit of a passion and interest to be involved in what some or arguably is like New Zealand's top or amongst the top hunting television shows. There's got to be some sort of achievement for a young guy that's, you know, yeah. ticking, ticking boxes, I guess. Yeah, and and it's not like it kind of just popped up. I'd been talking to Dave Shaw when they put out their pilot episode, and I think I was 15, and I made this real shitty pig hunting video, and I put Biggie Smalls on it. <laughs> and, and so and so it's not like I kind of jumped in there straight away but I just kept up uh, just kept up some good communication with them and then just pestered him yeah yeah and, and pretty much just pestered him and then got to a point where he was keen to get me involved with the show but a lot of those hunters didn't want to bring another cameraman because they were really uh, they were worried about me learning their spots because they knew that <laughs> I was a hunter as well and it was it was funny how um, defensive they were over their spots but got on one trip and then just enjoyed hunting with them and they obviously didn't mind me too much and just took off. Nice. That's good, man. So, yeah. So I take it you're not going to rattle off all their secret hunting spots now? You're going to keep those to yourself? Um, You know, I'll tell you after the podcast. Sweet as. Yeah. <laughs> we'll just write them down. We'll have them on hard copy. <laughs> they are actually available for sale. <laughs> yeah. to the bottom of the podcast. Pull up Google Earth and start dropping pins. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, obviously... You know, now we're touching on it, and now you're starting your own direction with the magazine. Like, what is it you want to achieve with hunt photography and storytelling? Um, I don't know. I, I think when it comes to being a creative, there's it, it's hard to say that there's an end goal because there almost isn't. As long as you're continually trying your best, and you know keeping yourself creative and trying new things and then bettering yourself, that's almost just like the journey that's that's just fun. So I don't feel like I need to get a certain amount of followers or make a certain amount of money or tick off a bunch of countries. That like that 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 will all come as it goes, but as long as I'm just taking a new photo that makes me happy, I'm kinda of just happy with that. Pretty so, simple needs. Yeah, yeah. Real real simple needs. Um because I found that with being creative, you can get paid, but if the projects aren't making you happy at the end of them, then it kind of sucks. Yeah, well, I think that's uh, the reality of anything in life, you know, creative or yeah. not. Like, if you find yourself just doing something for the paycheck, or, well, you're basically for the paycheck, or the remuneration, or what you thought was going to be right, it, it never really is, mm. you know. And I think I think there's a shift amongst young people and old people looking to restart. I think everyone's starting to figure that out a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's a pretty mature view for a guy your age, to be honest. Just not so worried about the, you know, you're, you're in a position where you can afford to take a few risks, risks probably, but at yeah. the same time, not being too hung up on what the end goal is and just sort of letting the creativity drive and direct where you're going. I think, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious when you look at um, version one of a magazine that you've just sort of done what feels right to you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've got a group of, what, 20-odd young Kiwi hunters here who have been wearing those magazines out for the last few days and a lot of positive feedback, so kudos to you. That's cool, though. That's awesome. Mm. Well, even 
dragged a couple across the states as well and the feedback was much in the same over there too so it's definitely um it's definitely in the right position you know for where it should be now and yeah and and, and it's cool because <clears throat> obviously i did the magazine and i wanted to be something that i was proud of but i did make it for everyone else so i made it for you know for you guys made it for you know your hunters in the states just for anyone and so every time i get feedback about how someone enjoyed it it's just awesome eh? it's mm-hmm. wicked it's good so um well one one of the articles i read and and followed from you was a hunt in mongolia yep how was that that was that was epic mm-hmm. mongolia is as epic as it sounds have you, have you been there Matt? yeah I've been there a couple of times actually I was just going to ask I'm, I'm ashamed to say I haven't read that article yet I've been saving it where were you were you hunting ibex yeah yes yeah, so we're hunting altai ibex so altai cool yeah with a bow oh wow yeah, yeah. with a Spanish hunter called Pedro mm-hmm. who's um, he, he manages Coup Europe and he popped up on Instagram ask, uh, looking for a cameraman real last minute and so Khan, Khan and a few other friends kind of um, tagged me and messaged him and kind of just hounded him. And then he, <laughs> he, he finally messaged back. Is it trend like all your opportunities has come from hounding and nagging? Is that I, 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 t- I tell you what, from a young age, my mum always told me, if you don't ask, you don't get. Yeah. So I kind of just rolled with Yeah, there's a lesson in that. Yeah, yep. without being an, really yeah, yeah. annoying and no, pissing no off. But um, yeah, so so he, he eventually got back and... He was kind of talking to me, and we were Skyping, and I was struggling to understand him a wee bit, and so my jokes weren't really going through, because usually <laughs> I rely on a bit of banter to, to get gigs, but he wasn't understanding the sense of humour just yet, and so I finished the phone call, and I was like, yeah, not sure, not sure if I'll get this one, but yeah, he, he came back, and he's like, yeah, all right, get your visa, and book some flights, and we'll get you over, so get within a couple of weeks, just on the plane, and over Mongol. Mongol is a pretty cool place, eh? Yeah. So I say Albex, I'm trying to I'm trying to we did two Ibex here, I'm just trying to separate them in my mind. But the Altai they're the ones in the steeper stuff, isn't it? Further up. Did uh, you see any sheep? No, no, so the so sheep weren't in this area. Um but yeah, the country that we were hunting is it's quite bluffy sort of country and, and the Altai Ibex they're I think they're the smallest Ibex. Well in in the way of horn length. But they're just a real stocky animal, real Heavy thick horns. bone on them. Yeah. yeah, so they're just they turned out to be like after looking at um, you know some of the Asian ibex and stuff. I think the Altai are the most appealing looking to me. Yeah, they're really but, cool. The Bezovar ibex are pretty cool. Too. Have you seen those? Where are they? Uh, they get them in Pakistan um, and in a couple of different places, I think. But Bezovar are the ones that are sort of black and white, and they've got a they're. Um, horns come right up like the big ones go all the way back to their ass like they're real impressive is, is that what Joseph Peter was hunting? no he was in no. Kyrgyzstan he would have been chasing uh, Asian yeah, Asian okay. ibex I, I, think. I, I get so lost with there's a lot of different species when you start actually rattling off ibex yeah <clears throat> and um, any goats for that matter there's you know literally hundreds of different species you can hunt yeah and and Pedro this was the last animal on his uh I'm not trying to say Capra. Capra Slam. Yeah, that's the one with um with a bow. So there's not many people that have done that. So that was his yeah, last one impressive. to take off. I think I worried him a wee bit because I jumped on the plane from Auckland. Would I go from Auckland to Beijing? 
straight from Auckland to Beijing and went through duty free and grabbed myself a bottle of bourbon, make a smart <laughs> bourbon. And um, it just doesn't surprise me at all. Well, well I, was, I was pretty excited. Eh? So, oh, and then I bought um, a few cans of Coke and like jumped in my seat, put on a movie, and I just started smashing back bourbon and colas. And the you know the lady was coming out and I was asking for wine, and um, it got to the point where my, I'd spilled a lot of bourbon all over my jeans and the hostess took the bottle off me. And so I, I pulled out a packet of sleeping pills that the pharmacist told me not to take if you've been drinking and smacked those back and woke up in Beijing with a hangover. Boom. And, the, yeah, that just made the flight real short. Yeah, it would. <laughs> Did you meet Pedro there in Beijing? No, nah, no, nah, but, but this is where social media can get you in trouble where – I'd been uh-huh. sending a couple of Snapchats, but I accidentally uploaded a video to my Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> and, so, and so I got off the plane and, and went to um, jump on my next flight, and I got a message from Pedro, and he's like, are you drunk? And I was like, no, nah, I'm just hungover. And so I wasn't sure what he was thinking at that point, eh? just this, 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 yeah, this hungover goes. Kiwi just t- you know rocking up for a, for a big mountain hunt. But Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, oh. those sleeping bills can get you in trouble, eh? I remember I never took I only took them once. And Corey Knowlton gave them to me. I don't know what the hell they were, but <laughs> I don't remember anything from the flight. But apparently I was up out of my seat interviewing people in first class about all <laughs> kinds of weird shit that you shouldn't be talking about in public. And I've got no memory of it. And wow. if it wasn't for the fact that Corey and his um, wife were up in first class, I might have... Um, being to getting off the plane in handcuffs, I think, but they managed to negotiate a um, a uh, a resolution that didn't involve me getting in the <laughs> well, ship. My brother does it every time he flies. He's got an old neck brace from an old rugby injury, like a medical one. Sits down, bangs his sleeping pills, puts his medical brace on. And everyone just looks after him while he sleeps for the time. Just drooling in a neck brace. He's such a big tool Like he used to just do it with the sleeping pillows, but he would always wake up with a kink in his neck. So he's like, oh, I've got a better plan. Now he looks like he's medically induced and he just sleeps there. Nobody Genius. <laughs> yeah. Genius. Yeah, yeah, whatever. He gets it done. A couple of when- years ago, there was a guy, I was getting on a plane in Vancouver. I think we're heading to Frankfurt. Might have been heading out towards Mongolia or Asia somewhere. And there was a guy there that was, he sat down, he was a Canadian guy, and he sits down and he goes, man, I'm, I'm scared. I don't like flying. I'm scared. I've never been on a plane before. I'm real scared. I'm real scared. And so he's sitting there, he's like genuinely nervous. And like within a couple of minutes, he reaches in his bag and pulls out a bottle of Johnny Walker Red Label. And I shit you not, before the hostesses had closed all the doors, all the luggage compartments, he had smashed the whole body of the bottle <laughs> of Johnny Walker. Party time. The whole time, the whole thing, right? And then the hostess just caught him finishing the last bit of it, and she was like, "Holy shit, that's not good!" And you could tell she was like trying to make the decision on whether to kick him off the plane or not. So she went down the back with another hostess, hostess and they were talking down by the dunnies. And before they got back to come and say something to him, he was out to it, like out cold, like passed out, <laughs> asleep, right? That dude did not stir for the entire flight. He didn't move. Like, there was me. It was like a three-breaster. So it was me and another dude on the other side. We were climbing over the top of them to go to the bathroom. He didn't even move <laughs> the whole night. It works, night. eh? Yeah, it he had works. two meals come and go in front of him. Didn't even freaking move a muscle. <laughs> yeah, so that's a yeah, that's a valuable okay. tip to pass on. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's education right there. Yeah. So back to the hunt in Mongolia. Is this a, Sorry, a yeah. horse hunt? Um, were you using horses? Yeah, yeah. We, we were using horses a lot, which I was really excited about because uh, bef- before we went over, Pedro mentioned something about horses, and um, I think I think they're cool animals, and so I was real keen to to try use them. 
And so, yeah, we jumped on them. I'm not very experienced on them. But, um, yeah, those guides were just machines on them. Mm. Those horses are machines themselves. Little yeah. midgets with giant hearts. You can see why Genghis Khan crushed half the, half the world. Yeah. Like, those horses are unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, because we're, well, like, compared to the size of them, I'm, I'm running quite a heavy pack and then plus my weight and we're going up pretty steep shit on them. And um, the guides kind of had mine on a lead rope for the first day. And they're just charging up these hills, eh? Like, it's almost like they're just jogging with you on the back. And The thing about them, current, like, in North America, we go up a steep bank and the horses zigzag up, they sidle up, like, <laughs> they cut trail. Those Mongolian horses, they just point them straight up the hill and just give it to yeah. them. Mm. They go freaking straight up. Yeah, no, not, not like none quite. of this zigzag bullshit, just straight up. Yeah, Unreal. that's so true. And, mm. and, and I'm a big camera in one hand and I'm just like holding on to the hair of the horse and yeah, yeah. that's just charging Did you up. have one of those sort of nut torturing saddles, the ones that sort it's, of you sort of got a... Sort of like a traditional type saddle. Yeah, wooden like. thing that you sort of yeah. designed well, for someone half the size. Well, they had the one of those person. and I had one day on them and that was that was horrible. So yeah. I jumped on one of their other saddles that was made out of just wood and some iron with like a blanket <laughs> over it. Yeah. And yeah, that's what they Pretty rough. With. So so yeah, so we're hunting mm. with um with horses. A couple of the days we did jump in their Lexus full drive and um cruised on around the back to get up to the tops to check out some new country. And that was that was those trips were kinda of boring. I enjoyed yeah, the horses yeah, way more. Different, eh? Yeah. But different thinking one day that you've got to do it this way and then having it done the other. Yeah, yeah, like I I love walking. Um horses were fine, so so I was enjoying that. And the truck like the the country was interesting, and the way that I could kind of describe what it was like is when you, you know, you go over to the west coast and you see some uh, big bluffs and that sort of thing. That's what they've got over there, but then it plateaus out on top. So you see these huge bluffs, and what you can actually do is jump in a car and drive for an hour and a half. Yeah, and like the Yeah, and then you arrive on top of those bluffs, <laughs> and then you can kind of hunt down. So so it made that pretty easy, but you weren't as successful as kind of cruising on up on the horse and spotting them from below and then charging up towards them. Hmm. So It's amazing where they can drive in that country, eh? Yeah. You like leave Ulaanbaatar and there's like 50 different roads going across the dirt in every direction yeah. and they just randomly pick one and just sort of head in a general direction. Yeah. And there's no roads. You're just driving out across the open plains and suddenly you arrive wherever you're heading and you're like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, because we jumped off the plane into the into the full drive and we had our driver and yeah, just driving along at Tarsil Road for about 15 minutes and then just pull off onto dirt, and there's no road, no sign, just nothing, and we just carried on along that for about four hours. So then, hungover cam, lost in Mongolia. Well, no, because uh, the, the pharmacist also gave me uh, <laughs> some... Uh, okay, there was so, a solution. Yeah, he gave me some rehydration uh, powder for when you get diarrhea, so I was just using that, and then it wasn't actually too bad. <laughs> Did you, speaking of being hungover, did they let you try or make you try the, the fermented mare's milk, like the horse milk? Uh, no, I, yeah, no, I definitely said no to that. I wasn't, I wasn't keen to do that. I was eating a lot of the uh, vomit, vermit, is that how you say it? Giant rats. Like rats and stuff. Rats, yeah, yeah. yeah, giant rats, and I was, I was holding that back. It was good? Uh, nah. But <laughs> but they kind of just gave it to me. I was like, yeah, sweet as. But then by the second day, my stomach was feeling a bit crook. So I kind of cut that out and then just stuck to it. I couldn't we'll figure out to- why everyone was so bloody happy at four o'clock in the morning before we went hunting. Then I figured out they were smashing like bottles of that horse milk, which is about the same alcohol- 
level with beer it's like five six percent yeah it's kind of a cross between natural yogurt fizzy as coke and like warm milk and beer like it's <laughs> it's, it's an interesting combo it. yeah the 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 guides are funny though because we um they were offering to carry our packs and because they were fit as anything yeah, yeah. but um but i just wanted to carry my own pack i don't know why but so one of them would carry a pack with some food and every lunchtime would whip out a beer for me so i'd have a beer to have with my lunch which is awesome and then there was there was one guy there and he and he didn't carry anything but he had a backpack and he opens it up and the the only thing that's in the backpack is a bottle of vodka and so we sat so we sat down for lunch and within five minutes the bottle was gone and then they just carried on hunting gala our guide told us that it um it's to help with the bugs in your stomach right so it's actually a good thing well, I don't know. You'll take the word sometimes, eh? Yeah, you, I don't know if like that's just an excuse to smash a bottle of vodka while you're hunting. But, <laughs> well. As you're talking, all the coronary, culinary delights of Mongolia are coming back to me. Did you did you try that? Um, like the yak milk cheese? Oh, th- yeah, that was that, that was, was strong. Eh? That was, yeah, uh, I, because that, that was my first time kind of going to an Asian culture. Or, yeah, are they considered Asian? Yeah. Yeah, so so I didn't want to be disrespectful or anything, so I was trying as much as I could, but I couldn't hold that down, and <laughs> luckily they found it funny. And and one other night, uh, I went and jumped over into their yurt. Yeah? Yep, you're all over it. Yeah. You've got this, man. Fuck, I'm good, eh? Yeah. And so, yeah, so at night I'd go hang out with them, even though I couldn't speak one word to them, I'd just go hang out with them, and they were probably talking shit about me, making fun of me, but uh, I'd do it anyway, and they had this big pan type thing just boiling ibex intestines with its head in the middle and oh they yeah they were trying to talk to me about eating that and there was just no way did, no the, way. did they eat it in front of you like did... uh no nah, i left Dude, they do some stuff i remember we went to we just visited these random nomads in this yurt and they turned up and they they bring out their best yak cheese for when they have visitors both me and Jim were there and we'd both had it before and we're both not a big fan but same thing you don't want to be rude so you got to try it and like I was sort of half by filming and Jim would go in and you, the trick is you try and grab the smallest bit because it was like broken up so you go in there and chew the smallest bit so like I went in like Jim had a bit in front of him so I like grabbed this tiny bit that was in front of him and had that and just as he went to grab a bit I like swung the bowl around so he just had all these giant chunks in front of him. <laughs> so to get a small bit he would have had to like reach right over the top and get a small bit but he had to like go for this giant chunk which was sort of half the size of his fist and so he had to sit there and like gag his way through it and I was just giggling my ass off behind the camera and you could just see like this look of total disdain in his eyes it was really funny for me <laughs> or <laughs> so I did I did Mongolia a couple of times and we, the first time we went we missed out on a um the Altai Agali, so the big sheep they have there. Huge. And we did a like a 14-day hunt and got skunked. <clears throat> and at the end of that hunt, once we're getting to the end of the 14 days, you could tell they were starting to get a bit short on food to feed us. So at the start of the hunt, we'd like get a chocolate bar each and like sandwiches and like pretty North Americanized food. And then sort of mid-hunt, we'd get half a chocolate bar. Like things were starting to get tight. And by the end of the hunt, they'd just run out of tucker, so they were just feeding us whatever they were feeding the guides. And one day we opened our lunchbox, and in there was like a looked like a pop tart, but inside it was like 
it was like awful. So it was like lungs, intestines, like all this weird <laughs> shit, and like made into a top pot tart, which was clearly designed to be. It was like an apple t- cross between an apple turnover, a pop tart, and like I don't even know, just guts basically. <laughs> <laughs> so then it was cold. It was designed to be eaten warm, right? And it was the only thing we had to eat. So yeah, it was a it was an interesting journey. And then when we got out of the out of the mountains, we were so desperate for something. We decided that we were going to have sushi in Mongolia, in Ulaanbaatar, which is, you know, eating sushi in a landlocked Asian country yeah, is probably not the smartest say, decision anyone's ever made. And we we I remember we both paid for that on the play ride home. That was a bad bad choice. <laughs> uh, things you learn, eh? Especially in Mongolia. <laughs> well, you're always learning. That's good. Mm. So. Okay, so that, that was based on one chat out of the magazine. But why, with the magazine, Cam, why a magazine? Like, what makes your magazine different, I guess? Um, I guess uh, there's two different, there's two yeah, different answers different for dishes. that. Uh, the idea of the magazine was, it came from hanging out with a lady called Greta, who started Together Journal, which is a wedding and lifestyle magazine. And I was telling her a bit about hunting and, and what I do. And for me, it was getting a wee bit frustrating because I wanted to do this filming uh, but to do that you kind of need a certain amount of sponsorship and a lot of that was tied up in these two awesome shows that had started up in New Zealand which were on Mm -hmm. TV and that's where the focus was for these brands was on television opposed to online and so I was just kind of hanging back just waiting for the time that I could kind of jump in and do more online stuff but uh, after talking with her she kind of said why don't you start a magazine and I couldn't stop thinking about it from then on. And obviously, when it comes to print, a lot of people are like, why the hell are you selling print? Like, print's dead. And I was being told that a lot, but the more I looked into it and the more I researched other publications, there was a lot of room for it. And especially in hunting and with what we've seen with hunting publications in the past. Mm-hmm. And so I started pulling together different uh, magazines that that inspired me, so... I got a lot of inspiration from surf magazines, from snowboard magazines, even this wedding magazine. And I was kind of looking at what they're doing and pretty much just swapped the images out and the style out for, for some hunting. And um, and there was more reason to do it because hunters are still quite tangible mm-hmm. guys. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, creating a product that they can hold in their hand still means a lot to to a lot of hunters because they are still a bit more old school opposed to you know the snowboarding scene uh where everyone just wants to wants to watch video parts online and that's where magazines are dying mm-hmm. um but for hunting there's just still so much room and like i said the other pub- publications hadn't really changed in the last since they've decades. been here <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 decades and i'm someone that didn't pick up hunting me oh when I was younger I kind of picked up some hunting magazines to look at some photos but I wasn't into reading and I wasn't into those magazines because they didn't you know spark any they didn't spark anything inside of me to go out for a hunt Mm -hmm. and so I was like well why don't they get me excited to go hunting why aren't I interested in them why don't I pull them off the shelf and just kind of took all those reasons and put it into my own concept which was the hunter's journal so so the ways that I did that, like you're saying, what makes it different is it's very visual-based um, because I'm not a huge reader, but I like a lot of visual, you know, um, 
entertainment so I made that a big feature in the magazine so there's a lot of pictures so it gives you the option of almost flicking through and looking at the pictures to see how the hunt went which is how I you know read a book or a magazine but then there's also other people that you know like to read it and then still get some context from the images mm-hmm. and so I got a fine balance between that the um the paper uh put it on a pretty expensive paper stock so that it's something that just feels good in the hand which I think means a lot and then it also makes it a lot more valuable so it's something that you can get as a gift mm-hmm. which was definitely popular over Christmas where you can pay $20 for the magazine and you can be proud to hand it over because it just feels like quality mm-hmm. um, and you know those are some of the bigger reasons for it's good know, man what's different. I'm actually from a print background and yeah, as much as I saw, I guess print did demise or drop off definitely. You know, yeah, with the definitely. with the come on of social media, what did stay true was people that wanted to look at it differently and wanted to keep the quality high still had a print market. Yeah, like it was the day to days that fell out. Yeah, and from the print industry, it hurt us. Yeah, but that it, it almost in part created opportunity. Yeah, for. And, you know, and then the likes of yourself that has a skill set and a, I guess a vision, it does fit quite nicely. And yeah, like I mean, say, like hunters, you say, something tangible means something to everybody, not just hunters, but hunters probably a little bit more because we find ourselves in spots where there is no reception. So, yeah. you know, and you don't want to be staring at your phone when you're on the side of a hill or in a tent or any of that kind of stuff. You want something tangible. Exactly. And your magazine is at a level where, you know, Generally speaking, like I tried it when I got back to my apartment in Vancouver. Like if I leave a hunting magazine on a coffee table at home, it vanishes, right? But I put that one on there and it stayed. And I think that's quite a good little litmus test. It, it's not just a hunting magazine. It's a you know, it's more it's like experiences. a it's a book that has a place on a coffee table. Mm. So you know, and coffee table books, I don't know what the correct term for them, or photo books, has always been a place where top end photography. Um, is showcased in a in a home setting. So when you've got a magazine that can hold a candle to that kind of setting, I think it's a really good achievement. And I think it's a great way to tell stories about hunting and tell stories about why we hunt and all that kind of thing, which is, mm. you know, obviously what me and Curran are, are all about, really. Yeah, 100%. Like the, the bit I like about the magazine is that it's a, it's a different version of, but it's very much the same of in the form of what we try to... I guess get across in the fact that we can share what we do a lot better than what is done with the ease of social media. You know, like social media has no immediate boundaries, so what goes up there goes up poorly without thought and basically waits for reaction. Yeah. Whereas what you're putting up is well thought out, balanced, educational to a point, and entertaining in the fact that the photos are high quality and the stories are descriptive to you know like it's not just went in the valley went up a gully saw heaps of deer shot a deer yeah yeah did in story yeah exactly and and like you're saying on social it's i think it's important to have a magazine to still read and look at images and then get context from you know a page of writing because i find that i I'm getting more and more bored with Instagram where you see a photo slapped up of a trophy and there's no context around it. And so you know nothing about the hunt. Um, you can think that this guy's awesome for getting a massive trophy. 
but you don't actually know what's going on mm-hmm. behind there. Like he could have jumped out of his truck and shot it, slaps on social media, and now he's, you mm-hmm. know, awesome. Yeah. Oh, yeah. we we know we live that. Yeah, we live that. Day. I mean, I like think with that... our demographic on what it is we do and who we do it for, and we see that a lot. Like we see a lot of people that <clears throat> have inflated. I guess ego is the right word, but inflated ego around their hunt ability based on who's seen what yep. and their comments. And it's so far from it, because hunting's not about the dead animal. You know? Yeah. Like it's it's the process and it's the story and everything else. Yeah. And that's getting missed. And it's it's shifting the purpose of hunting and the reason for hunting, because now it's now for many, it's about how good or how big the animals are derives how successful that person is as a yeah, hunter yeah and it's like very skewed yeah yeah i like to think that the days of the you know the classic grip and grin photo have, are numbered like yep. and, it, and it really comes down to what social circles you run in right like some guys still get a lot of uh you know Kudos. virtual pats on the back when they put up a picture of animal x but it's i think i like to think that those days are hopefully numbered because as hunters we can't afford to be putting those grip and grin photos up on social media out there for the world to see without any context and expect people who don't hunt or haven't been exposed to hunting to understand or empathize with what we do yeah so if we're going to continue to hunt and continue to do what we do we need to get better at telling stories so that people who don't hunt choose not to hunt or never been exposed to hunting have some context and some understanding about the journey or the hunt that led up to that point. Yeah. I mean, it's um, old Tavis from um, Arctic Rec Outfitters up north. They did a, I don't know if you've seen it, Cam, a short video, short film he did with Yeti. So he's, he's a couple uh, years old now. Eh? Pardon? He's a couple of years old now. Yeah, it's a few years old now. It's worth a watch. It's mm. a beautiful country and some really nice cinematography in it. But in his interview, sort of his voiceover for the film, he's talking about. Um, sheep hunting and what it means to be a sheep hunter and all that kind of stuff and one of the lines he uses I don't know if it was original of his or not but he describes you know a sheep hunt or a hunt like reading a great book and getting an animal or you know shooting an animal at the end of that hunt is like the last chapter which is often really good reading and really nice but without the the previous chapters it doesn't make a lot of sense you're never going to pick up a book and read the last page which is what looking at a grip and grin trophy photo is like it's like reading the last page of a really good book and saying look here's the last page didn't that finish great and if you just show that photo then people who look at that photo don't have the contents of everything context of everything you've read before that and that explains why you're proud of that moment, why you're proud of that animal and why you've got such a big smile on your face. Yeah. But people who haven't been exposed to hunting, you know, just don't have that context. Yeah. And we can't expect them to just know. We have to have empathy for those people and spend the time showing them and explaining why we do what we do. Yeah, and and, and that's one thing I wanted to make really clear with the magazine and why I chose the cover photo that's on it is because I... like you. Make sure you hold me to this, but I never, never, ever want to have a Griffin Grin photo on the cover of it, like ever, because when we will hold you to that, yeah, Kev. yeah, good, because yeah. when we, you know, because I, I now have a magazine. There's other magazines out there, and we put our product onto shelves where thousands of non-hunters walk past it and mm-hmm. see it, 
And so I'm really gutted that, you know, there's publications that put a big Griffin Grin photo on it because I, well, as a hunter, I'm like, oh man, like good on them. Awesome stag. You know, I want to check that out, see how they got it, see what the hunt was like. But for the other non-hunters walking past it, I think it's just the worst look for us. But at the same time, I didn't want to just do a real fluffy magazine that's, you know, soft. Yeah, that's soft and trying to hide what hunters are. So when I chose my cover photo, I was like, I do want a dead animal in there because that's what hunters do. But I don't want some guys with a cheesy smile. I want to show them kind of working hard, working them, you know, showing them out in the element, struggling their tits off or, you know, why they do it. And Mole Man's, he's just an avid meat hunter. Mm. So I put two, you know, you know, two guys carrying out some chamois for meat on the cover photo. Mm. Um, yeah, it's a cool photo. But yeah, so and, mm. and and with those with the stuff that's on Facebook, I've actually gone through and uh, left all the hunting groups, yeah, like all, all, all those like you know New Zealand tar hunter and j- just all those pages. I've left them all there. I'm I'm so over having that on my feed, mm-hmm. and I'm gutted that it's got to that point because social media could be awesome for us sharing stories. It could be, and it should be. Yeah, yep. but there's just too much shit on there basically mm-hmm. yeah and it can dominate not only your news feed but it can you know it can take up a lot of bandwidth and i'll be the first to admit that there's been a number of days over the past years where i've seen something on social media that's that's thrown me off my axis and i've you know either, either dedicated time or brain space into thinking about it or reacting to it where at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. So I commend you for that. If you take yourself away from that environment so you're not seeing that stuff, I think it, you know, it keeps you keeps you a lot more focused. You don't yeah. get worried about what everybody else is doing. You don't, you know, get your ego and you know mm. inflamed by everybody else's ego. And at the end of the day, when people are having, you know, trying to settle an argument in the comment section of a Facebook post is <laughs> possibly the most uh, the, the, ignorant the gets me with and that. biggest waste of time. As soon as the arguments, well, not even arguments, but when the constructive criticism opposes the original post and actually starts getting honest, they just delete it. It's yeah. like, hang on, it was only getting good. Like, yeah. It was, yeah, it was actually about to get real. Yeah. It's like, yeah. gone. Like, well, that's not thing- what we agree with. Thing that makes me laugh about it now is I call it six degrees from ten eighty, because yeah. no matter you can put up a post about you know somebody's gumboot that somebody found in a river somewhere at the back of nowhere that's got about as much to do with ten eighty as as anything, and then within oh, about yeah. seven it's comments coming. down, someone will be talking about ten eighty. Yeah, like it's just unbelievable. Yeah, and 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 that's what's awesome about having a magazine is. If there's something that I need to be called out for, then it's obviously something important that someone's gone through the effort to send me an email or give me a call. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, with social media, you can do all the right things and someone will just start slamming you oh, yeah. and you feel shit for it when there was no need no yeah, need for it. We but get it's, our it, it's solely just because it's easy for them. Oh, yeah, and they've got no repercussions. Like, nobody's ever said anything to my face or Matthew's face. Yeah. And but they, boy, and oh, boy. <laughs> like... <laughs> Yeah, they're at yeah. us, at us, whatever. But the one thing I like about you, Cam, and I guess it's all done behind the scenes, so people don't know, like, but, you know, for one, the, the Mountain Safety Council's in the magazine, and it's because you're like, well, they do a good job, and we as hunters need to be part of this, and we need to support the people that are looking after that form, and then, then the tar stuff come up, and it's real easy for a, 
a guy like you with a new founding magazine is like, here's a hot topic, I'll jump on it. Whereas what I understand, your version of that was, no, I'll take, we'll go with the NZDA and I'll just talk to these guys and take them and film their hunts and yeah. hear a story from the guys that are actually trying to advocate for New Zealand hunters. Like it wasn't a, it wasn't like this will sell and this is going to be a hot topic. Yeah. I'll get amongst the guys that are trying to do something for us and just be in their world for a little bit. Yeah. And I thought that was really cool. Like I was like, you know, like it, it wasn't, it, I'm, I'm exaggerating, but it's not a, it wasn't straight about this will sell more magazines because this is a hot topic. This is actually where I want to be in the, in the space where I'm learning and I'm getting opportunities from other people and stuff like that. And I just yeah. thought that was a really good path to go. Yeah. And, and the reason why I kind of jumped on this NZDA trip was because one, cause the NZDA have done so much for hunters. And so I wanted to kind of give back to them and, Obviously, there was around the topic of the tar, but we weren't taking an approach to it like, you know, stuff Eugene Sage and, oh, and all that yeah, sort of yeah. stuff. It's like, let's just go out for a hunt during this heat of time and just enjoy this what sort of hunting. What it is we've got, yeah. So, so that's just exactly what we did and, and whatnot. And there, there was a wee bit of that in the magazine where, you know, just talk about, you know, the situation with tar, but it's just not a big negative article mm. for people to get No, yeah, I thought it was really good. That was really good. Kudos to you. Mm. Mm. Like, well, we got to a stand standstill. You're supposed to be running these questions. <laughs> well, you wouldn't let me look at your shit right. questions. <laughs> Don't be like that. <laughs> we, we can't just keep talking about drinking on planes and stuff. It's honestly like a toddler wrote these. <laughs> <laughs> the toddler wrote that article in like two, two I've hours. I've got a question. What was it like going tar hunting with Khan Adam and Curran Island? How much time, honestly, did you spend in the river valley talking about climbing stuff? 95% of the time. Yeah, oh, I was going to get a little bit higher than that. No, nah, 95 is realistic. Because remember, I, 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 I oh, hung out up me. the tops. No, you guys left me, so I did probably 96, 97. Yeah, yeah, yeah true. <laughs> you stay, yeah. yeah. I was guarding the truck. I put it in the, I put it in the article. Yeah, well, because there was even a point where you two got bored chasing after Tars. So you guys turned around and drove home. And then yeah, I stayed we did. Up we there. left you to it. Yeah. Well, we were going home to our wives, like good people, and you were like, no, nah, I'm just going to stay and hang up here. Do you, do you remember those magazines got... that we found in the hut? No, do I? You know, do I? Real dirty ones? <laughs> no, I don't actually, but anyways. <laughs> yeah, so I got some of probably stunned the oh, yeah. seat of his truck. <laughs> just eating chewy meat? Did you, did you finish that off? No, no. That, um... Actually, I've got a question for you on that hunt. I've been meaning to ask you about this for ages. How did you get that... Traeger barbecue in the only truck by yourself because we got about halfway out the river and I was like shit it took two of us to get that barbecue out like how's the poor guy going to get that back on there I'm strong oh, okay yeah. full credit to you then yeah <laughs> you're strong but you can't cook because nah. that's in that article too yeah I can't well you were talking it up something shocking yeah, and so, it was chewy as shit yeah sorry so I, I, no, I got no this, to Traeger yeah, yeah no offence to Traeger at all because they'd given me this this awesome Traeger grill and I was like, how yeah, because I'd been out with Scott from Traeger who had cooked us, you know, a lot of meals on it. That's and just, so good. And and everything that came off it was just absolutely stunning. So I was like, sweet, boys, I got ourselves a Traeger for this trip. <laughs> and so, like, hell, let me set the mood here. Like, we're way up in this valley, it's crystal clear blue, you know, like, and I'm like, oh, Cam's got this big barbecue. And I didn't know anything about Traegers at that point. I'm not a product guy, whatever. He's like, oh, we need the generator going. Like, I'm like, is this a barbecue in the middle of nowhere? Like, we're running power now. I was like, shit. Yeah, anyways, Karen. And, and 
Yeah, so, so we got the Traeger to the heart, and after Khan had shot his bull, he shot a real nice meat animal, just a real young yanny, a real mm. young nanny, just just the perfect one for the barbecue. So we whipped off the back legs and back straps from there, and so chucked some of the Traeger rub on it, which again is awesome stuff, beautiful, chucked on the barbie. But then what I realised is I hadn't asked Scott at all how to use it, and I'd never watched him use it. I just eaten, you know, what had come off one. <laughs> so there's a wee dial, and I was like, what heat do I set this at? I'm not sure. So he wasn't, it wasn't informing me and Khan on any of this stuff. He was like, no, nah, no, nah, I've got this. Yeah, yeah. I, I, was, I was still talking about how awesome it was. Yeah. And so, so, yeah, chucked it on there, went into the heart, hung out, had some wine, and then came out, checked it. I'm like, nah, that's still got ages to go. So I cranked it up even more and closed the lid. Then hung out in the hut for about half an hour and came out and it was just boot leather, eh? It was just like a big slab of boot jerky. Leather. Straight boot leather. Yeah, no, nah, it was stronger than Cause I had another hunting guide tell me, like, Joel Wilkinson's got a Traeger. He said, I've tried my hardest to screw up on this thing. I give it <laughs> zero attention, zero time. I forget about it, just walk away, and I come back. Every time it's perfect. It's mint. Well, he, so you must have done something. No, well, because then there's so like the three bad. of us, and he's full of good stories. Me and Khan, we like to eat. We're like, oh, no, it's just because the meat was too fresh. Like, well, you know, it'll be all right. We'll hang it up. Next day, same deal, chewy, you right. Like, it was no better. But it, it looked raw. It was it was weird. It looked raw, but it was chewy as anything. And I hadn't seasoned it. <laughs> it was actually just you shit. You are no the barbecue. Like, there's somebody listening to this podcast who's attached to Traeger in some way, just, like, putting their head in their hands. You're possibly the worst person I think you could have given a Traeger grill to. <laughs> oh. Period. Yeah. Like, there's no offense to the barbecue. No. Like, it was purely our operation of. It was poor. <laughs> yeah, it was very poor. <laughs> But um, and they're designed we, we to be issue, foolproof. We had that whole issue in the middle where we were just losing temperature, and yeah. like, there's three guys standing there looking at it in the dark, going, "It's getting colder. This isn't working. It's getting colder." Like and it was plummeting, and it's like, "No, wait on, we're back on." It's like we're out of wood chips. Like it was. <laughs> we <were watching laughs> show. So we ended up like grabbing your wee gas cooker, <laughs> yeah. and then just chuck on the back of your D Max. <laughs> that was good. Yeah, stick with the basics, hey. Yeah, I wouldn't cook on the back of that D Max at the moment. Whew. No, I wouldn't either. Smells. Of what? You goats. don't kill anything, sir. No, you don't. Oh, that guy. No, it was uh, full of goats. We we did skinning yesterday, so everybody did a full body goat. Oh, nice. Yeah, well, it wasn't that nice. It was a bit right by this morning. Because they've been defrosting since, what day did we come here? <laughs> Thursday. So they've been defrosting since Wednesday. Mm. So it was good. But um, yeah, I was going to just. You know, when you go, to, I went to the Waimati dump. And it opened at 12, and the guy comes over for me for a yarn, and he works at a dump, and you walk around the side of your truck. So, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's the same every year. Yeah. Like last year, the lady's like, do you want a hand with that? I was like, you don't want to give us a hand with that? She came over. To, it was actually when I did the Scotland course here, and me and Stefan were doing it. And she was like, what have you done? <laughs> I was like, nothing. We do it every year. Don't worry about it. We're just trying to shift them off the back. It's all slimy and shit. Yeah, if you make the guy from the dump dry wrench, you know you've got a problem, eh? <laughs> yeah. Tim Barnett's pretty bad, eh? I was, I was hanging out with him up in Nelson, Tim Barnett from the Hunters Club. Mm-hmm. He, um, I, was, I went and bought an edge, edge trim with him and then we're driving back to his and we stopped off at a dairy because he wanted a V and some fried chicken. And um, <laughs> and he pulled this bag out from underneath my feet that I had my feet on and he, and he walks into the dairy, looks around, sees this wee bin by the entrance and chucks it in. I was like, what was that? He's like, possum feet. <laughs> <laughs> just so, just so this guy's this just sitting there. Yeah, this poor store owner's just gonna have some rotting possum feet. <laughs> yeah. mm. 
All right, back to hunting camp. So, young guy that's into film, and, and we advocate for hunters and new hunters to actually get out there and film and take photos and enjoy the whole experiences. What um what sort of gear should a guy be looking at? Like, obviously, you're at a professional level, so financially yeah. they might stretch a few, but what, what would you recommend and where should guys start with that sort of stuff? Uh, I get a lot of messages about camera gear, and the first thing people need to understand is that you can't have a camera that's good in low light, high quality, heaps of zoom, and cheap. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's just, that's like those are those things that every hunter messaged me asking what camera fits all these requirements and never does. If you want something that's good in low light and high quality, you got to spend money. If you want something that's cheap, then you can't have good quality or good low, low light, but you can get zoom. So. One thing that people need to learn is that if they want to start taking photos, and usually it's they want them for the animal photos, is that they've got to stalk in. You can't hunt with a rifle, shoot something at 250 metres, and try to get a nice photo of it as well. You've almost got to separate those two things. So if you want to go out and get some cool photos of something, then you're going to have to stalk in there. You're going to have to get in close to get that amazing that photo, shot that yeah. you want. Otherwise... It'll just never happen for you. Um, but in terms of gear, like, to be honest, I've just switched over to a Fujifilm system. So I was shooting on a Canon 5D Mark III, which is um, it's a full-frame camera. It's just an awesome photo camera. I'm, I'm not sure how many geeks are listening and know what it is, but it's a, um, it's a very bulky camera. So it's awesome quality. Uh, but it's very bulky. The lenses are very heavy because I was carrying just Canon Primes um, and they just got too much and I was fucking over having that in my pack along with along with my filming gear. So what I've done is I've switched over to Fujifilm. And so what those systems have uh, awesome quality, so good quality for print. Um, they've, you can get a bit more zoom out of them with the long lenses. Still not real cheap, but still cheaper than, you know, a full frame mm-hmm. Sony or Canon and they're also weather sealed and they're just lighter. The lenses are tiny, real light, real small, awesome quality, piss easy to use and sort of cheaper. So that's what I'm starting to point people well, towards. E- ease of use. I mean, ease of use to me will mean a very different thing to ease of use for you. Yeah. But that is, yeah. that is an attribute that hunters should look to start it's, with. Like you've got a, one you've got to, it's got to be ready to use. Yeah. And two, it's got to be relatively easy to use or go away and get the education to use something. Well, with YouTube, you can grab any camera you find on the shelf and you can learn how to use it from YouTube. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is the Fuji one, is it full frame or is it? No, nah, so it's, it's not quite micro three, two thirds or what's the, what's the small sensors? I'm Mate, not, I'm not sure. I it's, just it's push just buttons on camera and sensor, but it's, no, so it's not full frame. Yep. So it means when I chuck on a 100 to 400, it's the equivalent of having a 600mm lens. Cool. Because the sensor's smaller, which means it crops in. But usually it doesn't mean as much quality or low light as a full frame. Mm-hmm. But full frames are a lot more expensive. Yeah, and the pra- the practicality brings it enough. It like validates it enough for you. Yeah. yeah the fact exactly. that it's weather sealed is pretty cool too. I mean, the, the cannons are pretty good. <clears throat> but those Sony's, I like those those. Um, what are they called? The new Sony's, the A three or something. A three, whatever. Yeah. Like brand runs that A three R. Yeah. Which is awesome, but 
if you took it out in a light, misty breeze, I'm worried that it would just suddenly fall apart on you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they're expensive, particularly the R's, but they're like stupid high megapixels. You can take a photo and zoom yeah. in on somebody's fingernail and stick it on your wall kind of thing. But um, interesting. I was thinking I might buy a Sony, but maybe we look at those Fujis now. What's our budget like, Karen? Very poor. We just yeah. got back from Reno and we blew a lot of money. <laughs> we did. Should we talk about our awesome bipods? That was so cool. We bought Spartan bipods and tripods over there. I know, yeah, I've I've definitely heard of the brand name. Sick, they're awesome. Yeah, all I've got to do now is climb the hill. Yeah, well, actually, the you well, can actually, shoot yeah, the off tripod, the tripod, tripod which, which means you can shoot from the valley floor. That's the best thing about it. You can sit on your ass and shoot straight uphill. It's great. No, they were they were cool, man. Basically, they're magnetic bipods, so you have the one connection that goes on all your guns, and you don't have to carry a bipod on your gun. You just clip it in. That's, I can't that's actually sick. So I, there's can, a, I can't visualize where this. your front swivel is yeah. on the front on the floor of your stock. Yeah, you basically take that out, put on their adapter through the same screw, and their adapter has another sling swivel mount, so you can still have your sling, but it's got basically a recess in it, and your bipod and or tripod that we brought basically has a magnetic clip that fits in it, so you carry your it's a carbon fiber bipod oh so, you, so you don't walk around no nah, so you don't have that on. baggage on your gun oh nice and then you know because typically when you run a bipod you've made a decision to lie down and get it out yeah you know. so, so you it's literally it like in. just bang it in like pull it out of your pack or off your belt just clip it in it just goes boom cool and then it contract left and right and up and down it's oh, carbon cool. fiber you can shoot off the side of a hill one side mm. will go up and down and then the thing that really we really enjoyed is they sell carbon fiber tripods that you can put your spotting scope on or your video camera on but then you can quickly whip that off and then you can actually stick your gun on top of a tripod that's cool the same mount on the same mount and if you take one of the legs off you can unscrew one of the legs then it just turns into a giant bipod so you can actually physically sit at your sit on your ass and shoot up a probably 50 degree angle and be real solid or if it's a tripod you can actually leave your rifle on it just hang in there cool it'll hold it up and then each one of those tripod legs, from a guiding perspective, you can unscrew them and they are walking sticks. And so you can't find anything like this in New Zealand? Yeah. Uh, I, we, I quizzed them up about that, and I think there is a distributor here. I just don't know if they're pushed out there yet. They're new, like it's, you know, it's coming yeah. type thing, but super cool product. Cool, it does sound good. Mm, really yeah, cool. But, so that, that was our budget, so back to that. Our camera budget's not avoid. Fair yep. enough. I forgot about that We spend up. Hey, 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 <coughs> hey quick quick sponsor mention for you guys oh yeah uh go native fucking delicious oh yeah cool yeah because yeah, we brought them on this trip and usually i'll get some freeze-dried shit Whatever's and, going, I, and yeah. I lie to myself every time that it'll be fine <laughs> and <laughs> You're it, right, Cam. yeah and i'll get through it and i lie to myself every time i say that this is my favorite flavor mm-hmm. and it's just horrible so, so this trip can't like i just yeah in, in complete honesty they don't give us any money. We just like their stuff as well. So yeah. we just, you know, promote it where we can. What well, it is, it's, it's the right kind of food to eat yeah, on that it's stuff. And it's enough for us. Yeah. Did you have the little fruit bars as well? Fruit bars are delicious, eh? Yeah. 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 Oh, and I, I, I took some photos of them. Oh, did you? Yeah. Oh, good man. Because <laughs> you didn't do that for me last time. <laughs> too busy taking photos for Khan's Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> that chamois can got was nice. Yeah, that was cool. Um, might as well mention another hunter. 
Yeah, go just nuts, been man. just been a only a few days over on the west coast. Um, I'm not going to say exactly where because. Um, oh my god, Khan's secret spot. Yeah, he, I've he heard said this story before. He will stab me in the face if I tell any C word. Again, we'll words. sell this like on the podcast notes. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, I don't know if I get yep. commission from that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it might put some like random GPS coordinates just on the notes <laughs> and see if people end up there, like the, the BP in Westport or something. <laughs> um, but anyway, so, so we flew into this spot on the West Coast um, looking, for sh- looking for some chamois. Um, and yeah, so it's one of Khan's favourite spots. He'd been there a few times before. And it's all just kind of uh, hunting from this tight, you know, river bottoms, just looking up all these open creeks. Mm-hmm. Um, it was stunning. It was epic country. Hard to hard to film because it was mainly just boulder hopping and deep river crossings. But um, yeah, we, we climbed up into the tussock one day and we found a, a few nannies and... Um, Wait, are they called nannies or are they called does? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so so we found some of those and we started creeping up to them and we got within uh, forty eight meters of one, which Khan was happy to fling an arrow at, but there was some miscommunication between Khan and I, where it got to the <laughs> point where so so this so this uh, Shami she was on high alert, like she she knew we were there, she was whistling, she was kind of freaked out, she was going to bolt at any minute, so I was like. Alright, I'm I'm just gonna get some photos and some video of it before it bolts, and um, I'll just kind of get ready for kind of fling an arrow at it because he was about five meters above me, and so he was looking at me, and it turns out he always envisioned the shot of me being yeah, o- o- over his shoulder because you know talk about that would be the prime mm. shot, but that obviously wasn't gonna happen with her watching, and so Khan was looking at me and he was like nodding his head, and I was looking at him like nodding my head, and I was thinking yeah shoot it, and he was looking at me like yeah are you gonna come up here. And Slick. Yeah, so it's all about just sitting there like nodding our heads like, yeah, 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 but for different reasons. And then this chamois took off. And, it was, you know, it wasn't it wasn't a particular, uh, you know, an amazing animal. So it was kind of cool that we learned that on that sort of an animal and got in that close. But um, so we agreed if there's an animal that's, you know, on high alert and looks like a bolt at any minute, just fling an arrow at it. And if I'm ready, then I'm ready. Anyway, so, so we carried on back down to the river, back to our main camp. Um, we started drinking beers, and then we were getting, uh, we were getting quite excited for for having some wine. But so 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 we decided to carry on hunting instead of staying there and, and just drinking, drinking wine, wine. We decided to carry on hunting, but we chucked um, two bottles of wine in our pack and some beers for, for when <laughs> we got to the case. next. Yeah, 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 for when we got to the next campsite. And so we, we were walking downstream, and there's a lot of gorges in this area. And so we had to climb up and over this knoll through some real tight, thick West Coast shit. And so we're pushing our way through that, and we had spooked to Shemi in the bush. And we came along to the third one, and um, Khan had spotted it, because he likes to walk, at fr- walk in the front, because he's the boss, and, <laughs> and, and Stephen was behind me. And Stephen carried on crashing through the bush, and... I saw that Khan had stopped, so I was telling Stephen that, you know, shut up, and then turn around, pull my camera up, and this shaman was about 18 metres away, and just as I was about to hit record, he um, flung an arrow at it. So that was pretty epic. So congrats so to did you Khan. get it? Like nah, when you say nah. you're about to record? No, nah, yeah, I missed the nah. shot completely. Yeah. yeah. I've got a fucking camera in my eye, but... 
That's bow hunting, but yeah, so, so it was awesome. I love that's bow hunting, that's can hunting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so, so that was a nine-inch buck. They managed mm. to get in just some tight scrubs. Uh, that was pretty exciting. Yeah. So we went back down to camp. And yeah, a guy with legs that short is amazing. He can get so many animals with a bow. I'm actually starting to be impressed. <laughs> well, I guess his crouch is so much less significant yeah, than somebody else with normal height. Lower centre of gravity, you know, I guess. Like he's got that sneaky, sneaky. Yeah, yeah, but it's almost like a bull with two knobs at the end. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's not very nice. No, it's not. Apologise, Khan. Yeah, let's cut that out. He's, he's a good guy. He is. Oh, no, he's a champion. It's not true what you say about him. Or you. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But that's right, he's not here. Yeah. No, that's good. Um I was gonna I was gonna ask you one more thing before you went on to that hunt. Sorry. I don't know. Jealousy for me, like shooting a chamois with a bow, like I'd love to. Oh yeah. Oh no, that's what it was. Okay. Oh. And so you've now got a bow? Am I right in thinking this? Nah, nah, Caden, K- if you know Caden, he'll... Yep, he's been on the podcast. Yeah, he'll say one thing, but he won't do it. <laughs> so, just like the time that gave all my coup gear, it was real hard to get it back. But um, I gave him a camera lens in exchange for a bow, just waiting for some screws. But that was the end some of last screws? year. Yeah, you had to put a sight on it. Oh, yeah. I told him not to worry about the sight, but... You're you good it. without it? Yeah, yeah, shit, yeah. Yeah. Um, but you're excited about running a bow? Or oh, trying I'm, to run a bow? I'm really excited, eh? Mm-hmm. I've, I've shot... Um, you know, compound bow twice, and just from like two shots, I'm like, yeah, definitely want to get into this. Mm. And I was at an A and P show, and they had some traditional bows. Paid seven dollars for, for five shots. And I was loving that day. I was hitting the target at two or three meters. <laughs> I won a necklace, and I was like, yeah, this is my cool. The big velcro end on it. <laughs> um, no, no, they had spikes at the end. Oh, yeah, nice. But um, yeah, I'm I'm definitely keen to get into it, especially with, you know. Loving to stalk an animal to take photos. Both yeah, well, that's gonna... it. You kind of got an advantage over the rest of us. You're already doing that part of it. Yeah. Have you still... hunted with your bow yet, Karen? No. No, so I basically, I got a bow um, just at Christmas. And then basically had Christmas, then went to Reno, and now I'm here. So Haven't taken it out yet? Uh, no, I haven't taken it on the hill yet. I've probably put 50 rounds, 50 shots through it. Yeah. Um, but I love it. And kind of the same deal. Like, I actually had a buzz from it. And the only way I can relate it is it's... Like when I first started shooting slug guns and twenty twos at targets, yeah, I was like, "This is awesome!" I was like, "Can we do it again? Can we do it again?" And that's what it was like. Yeah, it's been a long time in a hunting related environment that I've had excitement over pretty much mundane task. No, not mundane task. Well, shooting them is one thing. You wait until the, you get the rush of like sneaking up oh, to a rabbit with no your doubt. bow. Like, yeah. I no doubt at all. But, been that excited, but it's quite cool to think that I've found something in a sport that I've done for X amount of years that I'm quite happy to practice at. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Because yeah. you lose them things. Yeah. You know. I don't know. Yeah, because yeah, that was my plan to get the bow was I don't plan to take it out as soon as I can. Mm. Um, I, I, I just plan to get a bow so I can just start flinging arrows in, in my garden when I get bored from editing and want to do something. Mate, there's nothing better. Because, I mean, even like for me, when I, like, oh, I'm missing my bow a lot. I don't have it with me in Canada. Yeah. So I probably had it for a couple of years before I shifted back to Canada and I just left it there because it's, I just didn't have enough space luggage wise and I really do miss it particularly in a work day because you know we're self-employed work from home you know if I was getting frustrated bored distracted mad anything just go outside and shoot 20-30 arrows through your bow and it's impossible to think about anything else when you're shooting arrows otherwise you'll completely fudge it so it's almost like the hunting 
version of meditation, really. Yeah. Like, it, you, you really do have to you clear your mind neutral. of everything and get completely neutral or you'll stuff it up. And I don't like stuffing it up. So, you know, you really do have to force yourself to drop everything, drop all the baggage and let all the tension out of your body go. It's really good. And then you can go back in and fresh yeah. and take another yeah. crack at whatever you So over in Reno, I brought a heap of... Um I mean, this is where I'm at. I don't even know what they're called, but the little heads with the spikes so they can't dig into the ground. You can shoot like small game with them. I know exactly what you're talking about, but don't. So claw. I bought a claw. Yeah, I bought a heap of them and the little plastic ones for the rabbits again and a bunch of broadheads. So cool. I plan to just hit up the small stuff and yeah, and, and it that way. Getting into the hunting with a bow, uh, there's definitely no you know ego attached where I want to say that I've shot an animal you know, with a bow or, oh, you've shot a stay with a rifle or I've done mm. it with a bow sort of thing. I don't want any of that sort of shit because I, I fizz off taking out a rifle and, and shooting Yeah, yeah, no doubt, so do I. Every, well, I'm still younger than you and obviously haven't done as much as yourself, but um, I, I, I love rifle hunting, mm. but bow hunting's just, yeah. It's different, it's fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's literally I, makes, going like, no shit, going looking for a rabbit and shooting a rabbit. That's just 100%, great fun. and I think I've said it before, but I want to, I'm not being distasteful here, but I want to revalue the animals I'd lost value in. Mm. So the rabbits, then the goats and stuff like Mate, that. The first like decent animal I got with a bow, like trophy-wise, was a goat. Mm. And I was hunting with um, friends of ours, partner, fiancé now, um, an Aussie guy that hadn't done a lot of hunting, and they were in New Zealand, and I said, oh yeah, come along. And I saw this guy, and it was a big, you know, quite a big billy goat and I'd never seen one that big before and I just happened to have my bow and when I got it I was fizzing like mm. fizzing 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 and this Aussie guy couldn't quite figure out why I was so excited <laughs> couldn't join the dots yeah what the hell yeah yeah no that's cool well, well good luck on that venture maybe we'll do a bow hunt mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah right what a dick move yeah right no, we'll, yeah well, no, maybe we won't well, now. Well, I might hunt with Khan. Well, well, no, because no, it's it's not you. It's just bow hunting in general is so bloody hard that yeah, man. Sometimes just going out for a hunt with a rifle is is good. Oh no doubt, <laughs> we'll have a rifle in the truck or bike or something. <laughs> There's a whole bunch of purist bow hunters listening to this, just shaking their head. Oh, oh, I know there is, be, but I have not. Be. I have never said I'm a purist bow hunter, so I'm fine with how they feel about <laughs> what I said. They just need to be happy for us, all right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, then that's a pretty good chat, man. I'm hungry. Yeah, I'll see. Go see what the boys. What's on dinner tonight? The boys Mac are whipped cheese. up mac and We've got cheese. Cam here for dinner. He's gonna yeah, they did and see tray. how we do it here at camp. Yep. Are you gonna hang around for our beer and predator unit tonight? I don't want to get back too late. Oh yeah, whereabouts are you going? But tonight? that does. I'm going to Cairns. Oh yeah, sweet. Crashing the night at Cairns. Sweet is. And yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll just make our dinner and probably get started anyway. So you can. Is there catch ice cream? The first part. <laughs> no. What? No beers, no ice cream. No, mate. Oh well. Does that mean that you're off? Yep. <laughs> no. No, cheers for the conversation, Cam. Cheers, Good Liz. luck. Good luck with the magazine. Yeah. And mate. everything else that, you know, you aspire to do, man. How can uh, how can people follow you if they want to follow you or find your magazine? Um, Instagram is pretty easy. It's just mm-hmm. a hunter's journal. Mm-hmm. Uh I probably update that a wee bit more than Facebook. Um, but I'm just the exact same name on Facebook and then our website. Not much on it, but you can still order them on there. And where can they find the magazines? Um, at the moment, the most likely place is Whitcalls and Countdown and Paper Plus stores. And then soon they'll be out in New Worlds and Pack and Saves. But easiest place to get one straight away is the website. 
Awesome. Perfect. Mm. We'll put we'll put those details on the podcast notes as well. So if you Stay. miss that, we'll get it. Wicked. Thanks, Cam. Thank you. G'day. Thanks for listening to the Educated Hunter podcast. There are a number of ways you can connect with myself, Matthew Gibson, or my partner in crime, Curran Island, at The Educated Hunter. And the hub for all of this is our website, theeducatedhunter.com. Our Instagram page is at theeducatedhunter. Our website also has a spot where you can sign up for our newsletter that comes once every two weeks and is full of relevant information about hunting in New Zealand and around the world. And lastly, you can search out any of the episodes that we've done in the past and find the show notes on that episode. Other than that, thanks very much for listening and I hope you're having a good day wherever you are and your next hunting adventure is not too far away.